Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Glad you could join me for, well, all the usual reasons, plus one more. It's going to be a tough podcast for a lot of reasons. I'll get into that in a moment. But uh, in the meanwhile, I hope your season is going well. I'm uh, still fighting a little bit of a bug. Uh, caught it, uh, well, one of the many souvenirs from, from that Fur Feather Friends trip to uh, South Dakota. Thank you, everybody who attended, by the way. Had folks from six or seven states, uh, multi-generational, and uh, already talking about doing it again next year. Of course, Fur Feathers Friends is, well, it's it's actually closely related to um, to what I'm going to be talking about with, uh, with our guest this week. Uh, you'll find out more as we get deeper into it. Uh, what you doing these days? Uh, everybody's deep into the hunting season, seeing lots of great tailgate photos and i'm so happy that you share them with me some of the lessons you learn we'll talk about those down the pike in this upland nation podcast as well and here uh getting geared up for our next northern nevada adventure coming up next week hopefully the weather cooperates we'll see the upland nation podcast is brought to you in part by sage and breaker gun care products pointer shotguns mid-valley clays and shooting school True Lock Choke Tubes and FurFeathersFriends.com. Well, the weather here sucks and uh, reminds me of all the reasons I like to go south in the wintertime whenever I can. If you're already looking at uh, kind of the end of the season and how you might be able to extend it, did a piece a few years back on just that topic and let me share some of the places that have late seasons uh, yeah I, I guess late in the calendar for what it's worth uh, take a look at some of these states if you're looking for a sunbird snowbird destination Arizona and New Mexico will let you chase birds until mid-February Texas if you can find some ground out there till the 25th of February Georgia and Alabama, generally in the same uh, region, about the the end of February for all of those places. Check the regulations; it changes every year, but that's generally a good guideline for you. Heck, in South Carolina, if you can find somewhere to chase bobwhites, you can do it until the f- first day in March uh, most years. So, there's your advice for this year. Maybe it's just aspirational, or maybe you can get down there for some reason. I wish I could. I'll be heading south, but not quite that far south toward the end of the season taking my shotguns and my non-toxic shots so guess where i'm going yeah california can't go quite as late as those places but uh, at least uh at least i'll be down there thawing out if nothing else this first part of the show is brought to you by mid valley clays and shooting school uh if you are like me, you're you're kind of reaching into one of your vest pockets wondering where your glasses went or something else just as critical. Well, they've got a pro shop on their website, midvalleyclays.com, that can restock all of the stuff you've lost, worn out, or never had to begin with. From gun cases, gun sleeves, to range bags, gun cleaning supplies... Um, you name it, they've got it, and it's all in stock and ready to go. MidValleyClays.com is where you find that stuff. 
Yeah, like I said, it's going to be tough. My friend Tom McIntyre and I, we don't get together near as much as we should, and unfortunately, we won't be able to do it anymore. Yes, this will be the final Tom McIntyre interview you ever hear anywhere. Tom, well, how do I start? I uh, got to know him when I was doing Field and Stream Radio. He um, he kind of took me under his wing. The guy is a renowned author. He writes for all the big magazines. He's written oh, uh, more than a half dozen books on various topics, most of them Africa and big game or exotic game in, in other parts of the world, for lack of a better term. I considered Tom the best living hunting writer in the country. And unfortunately, uh, two days after I interviewed him, Tom passed away. It was tough on all of us. The news is uh, still making the rounds out there. I stopped by on my way to South Dakota, enjoyed the hell out of the interview, and so did he. Uh, his wife, Elaine, uh, shared with me how much he really enjoyed just getting back to talking about the stuff he loves to talk about, including his new book, Thunder Without Rain. It'll still come out in February of 2023, and that was the premise for the interview. But we covered a lot of ground, and I am so grateful. Now, here's the lesson in all of this, and, and I'm, I know I'm trying to paint a positive picture here. We've lost Tom McIntyre, and I cannot say enough about that. Go back, find his books, reread them, or read them for the first time. Here's the lesson in all of this, though, and it started years ago, and it reminded me again, and I'm so grateful I stopped and shared in Wyoming on the way. Life is short. Your friends are a finite resource. Someday they're not going to be there for you, and vice versa. Don't want to get morbid about it, but you know what I'm talking about. When you have the chance, and even if it means a detour to Sheridan, Wyoming, stop and see the people who are important to you. Reach out, enjoy their company. Ideally, go hunting with them. The lesson is clear. We all have a limited tenure on this earth. Take advantage of the wonderful things you get out of a gathering with friends and family. Okay, enough about that. Let's get to the interview. Uh, I'm so lucky to be back here. I'm in Sheridan, Wyoming with a friend of mine, Tom McIntyre. I'll tell you all about that story in a moment. Tom is, uh, as I've said before, one of the greatest living uh, hunting writers. If you haven't got any of his books, start with the one I like the most, uh, which is The Snow Leopard's Tale. But there are so many out there. Days of Field is a book. The Way of the Hunter. Dreaming the Lion is another great one. And we're here to talk about his new book. And that's the one I'm looking forward to reading when it finally comes out. I've uh, kind of sampled it. But Tom McIntyre, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You know, the last time we, we talked on Mike, it was for Field and Stream Radio oh, way yeah. back yeah, in the yeah. day. Yeah, and, <laughs> don't, don't remind me. I mean, it's just... I've, 
that would that would be a whole show. The uh, the, the 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 pen and ink. Oh gosh, outdoor press. Yeah, which uh, if you haven't heard, by the way, if you're living under a rock, there is no such thing as a magazine called Field and Stream anymore, uh, or Outdoor Life, and we both miss both of that. We made a few bucks on those guys, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah, but we we missed the golden age of guys like O'Connor and yeah, you we, know, yeah, we did. But like it, like I'd, I'd open up Field and Stream, and there'd be Warren Page and yeah, in, in you know. Tanzania yeah. you know, for yeah. a month. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about that and how it influenced you, but I remember some of the guys from way, way, way back who uh, who influenced me a lot. One who, who you probably worked with in one way or another was Duncan Barnes. Remember yeah. Duncan? Yeah, I remember Duncan, yeah. That guy taught me one thing about journalism that has stuck with me ever since, and it's been an overarching uh, value in everything I've done since, and that is whatever else you do, you better serve the reader reader that's always been my theory i mean uh, you know to me it's it's there's too many people want to serve themselves when yeah. they write yeah and that is and i get i get frustrated you know because i i hear these reviews and it is you know it's the same thing it's 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 me 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 yeah. Yeah. and usually poor poor pitiful me yes and i i just in my mind i'm not that's not what i'm here for no it isn't and and and, and you would know you have written uh, you, i don't even want to know how many articles for everybody from men's journal to uh, field and stream to outdoor life um english magazines you you, I've written for I've written for German magazines. You got Yeah, Jaeger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, in fact, those are markets I ought to develop. <laughs> well, you know, they like they they. There's a you know the, the the bird hunting culture there is pretty extensive. Oh yeah, and, and but very ritualized. Absolutely. Though we, there are though there are you know there are like you know rough shooters. There are. But uh, I had a hunt test, a German, an American who's a German hunt test judge on the podcast a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Learned way more about that than I ever knew. But I understood a little bit. With a name like Linden, you'd think I'd know a little bit about German hunting. Uh, Unter den Linden. Yes. In fact, someday I have to make a pilgrimage to Berlin just for that reason. Show show everybody the sign. Um, But, Tom, you've written for everybody, and, um, and, and that's just the beginning. Why don't you give me a little bit of background? How do you end up writing hunting stories? Yeah, well, read, read college graduate. Was, yeah, uh, no, 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 oh, no, no. Let me let you, me disabuse you. Wait, not, you got not, not a graduate. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I and I I count myself among you know the, the, the you know the true read is read reedy. Yeah, is uh, Steve Jobs who who left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ry Cooter who left. Okay, I think I think Kesey may have passed through and kept going. Yeah, he did. Stopped know? in Eugene. Yeah. And, and never left. I know. <laughs> Uh, by the way, he's a great partier, I'll tell you. From personal <laughs> well, well, okay. well, that's right. You come from that neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, no, I was, I, it was. It, it was. It was counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Or, or what's the, what's the, what's the phrase of the, of the cognitive dissonance or something? Yeah, we was. We both um, suffer that. I, I, you know, my father was not a hunter, and he he you know he he shot. Um, he he'd go bird hunting and. But his best friend was just an avid hunter. Yeah. And this was in Downey, California, which is, you know, as suburban as you can get. Yeah, yeah. You lived on the other side of downtown from Idaho. Yeah, yeah. Well, me, it's, 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 it's sort of, it's sort of uh, you know, it's sort of Baja, Baja Orange County or, or Upper uh, Alta, yeah. Alta Orange County. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I remember I was like four years old. And if you go around the corner of the house here, 
You can look up, you can see this red buffalo. Yeah. That was his. Okay. And he killed that in 1956. Yeah. If we may use the word killed. Yeah. And um, I was four years old. And I walked into his house, and there was this thing on the wall that I'd never seen anywhere in anybody's house. And it just, it struck something. And I knew at that point, I really wanted, what, what, hunting? Yeah, I want to do this. And I sort of like, you know, latched onto him. And he had daughters, so he didn't have a son. And um, he was, you know, very patient and, you know, lots of things I could have, well, we won't go into it. (laughs) I I, I won't get on the couch with you, Dr. Freud. But um, he was just a great guy and he taught me all this stuff. And and he had gone to Africa and he wasn't wealthy. He was a working, he was a working class guy. He was a blue, white collar worker. And he just, first time I went to Africa, he sold his wife's insurance policy. Oh, my. He, he cashed it in. Got priorities Yeah, there. so he could go, so he could go to like, like French Equatorial Africa, mm. which like, you know, it sounded like the moon to me. Really? And, uh, and that's just where things went, you know, I, and I just started hunting and, and I really got really fascinated by big game and, um, took it from there. And, and then I, I, uh, conjunct, well, c- with that was the fact that I, I came to know that I wanted to write. Yeah. That was, that was like in my teens. Wow. And um, so that's where I kind of pointed myself towards is writing. And you know, just, nobody, nobody could tell me better, apparently. And um, yep. so the, I started writing. And when I, got, when I left school, I, uh, I you know, started trying to sell stories. Mm-hmm. But I was I was writing short stories and fiction and and I, they they were coming back in in you know due course yeah. you know, with coffee stains on them back in the day when you actually got a rejection yeah. letter well, well yeah yeah you had to send a uh, you, know, you had to send a manuscript yeah you know and like I say they came back and they'd have cigarette ashes and and, <laughs> and you know coffee rings stuck on them where they'd been on the, somebody's desk yeah we'd like looked at it and then said throw it back. And then I decided, well, I'll write a, I wrote, I wrote, then I said, okay, let me try an outdoor story. So I wrote an outdoor story and I sent it off to uh, Gray's and this was in the seventies. And, uh, the, the good thing was it, it was gone for a long time. You know, <laughs> if I saw the envelope come back in like 10 days or two weeks, I knew it was, you know, it yep, was bad yep, news. Yep. And they just hung on to it and hung on to it and hung on to it. And I finally wrote him a letter i said did you guys get this thing and they said oh yeah we're going to publish it i said what (laughs) (laughs) and the funny thing it was the funny part of it was i I can remember this i just come back from hunting in colorado with my dad's friend roy and we drove into town like at you know four in the morning and i was staying over my folks house and i said i can't knock on their door they're not gonna get up at four in the morning he said well i can stay here and then his wife came and she said, oh, I heard from your mom. She said, you sold a story. And I said, what? <laughs> and, and, and I went to bed and I, I swear, I just lay there all night just staring at the ceiling. Oh, I bet. You know? I and, bet. And, and then, went, then basically didn't realize I was only going to make $700 that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, back then, the, the, on a per word basis, they probably paid more than we're getting these days. That's for sure. Well, you know, there was a golden age of... of, of uh, magazine journalism you know the, like Robert Rourke would get um, five thousand dollars yeah so I mean he would go out on safari and he basically you know at one point he would call a halt 
you know, he'd be on a three-month hunt or something, he'd call a halt and says, I got to take a day and a half, and he would sit down with his typewriter, manual typewriter, yep. and he would write up a dozen stories. Yeah. And then you know, basically they'd airmail them back to New York to his publishers, to his syndicate. Yeah. Where they'd get, you know, they'd run him in the newspapers, and he would just, you know, take the money and keep going. I, you know, I, 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 I've done the same thing on a much smaller scale, and so have you. Yeah. You know, your hunting bona fides are to a lot of people are are, are heavy in the in you know in the big game world, and and we're going to talk more about that, and and in the you know out of the United States to a large degree, and I really want to talk more about that, yeah. but. But you are a bird hunter. We're sitting here on a hilltop near Sheridan, Wyoming, and there are sharp tails within shooting distance of us, probably right probably, this yeah, moment. Yeah. Well, they'll, 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 there will be in a month or two. Yeah, they'll come. They'll, they'll come back up here. And your um, your cocker spaniel Mickey that I met when uh, when he was a puppy, yeah. and gifted him this incredibly well designed Scott Linden <laughs> signature series <laughs> collar. He's still wearing it. Ching um, ching. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but the bird hunting thing has always been a part of that uh, oh sure it, it, i i mean you know i mean when i went to it wasn't i've i've every time i've been to africa now you know a dozen or more times yeah which compared to somebody like boddington is nothing yeah I mean, he goes, yeah he does that in a year oh, but geez. but uh yeah poor guy <laughs> and um but you know the first time i went to, i went to kenya which was interesting because you can't that's all gone back when you could go well it's all political now i mean yeah. i was really dying to go and do a bird hunt there now yeah and i there was an outfitter and i, I finally got around to writing him and he just said oh no they they outlawed that even, two, two years ago. even bird hunting even bird hunting you cannot as a tourist you can't hunt birds <sighs> incredible but anyway the first time i went to africa it was I had just this, you know, sand grouse. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah, there are so many species over there that we've never, I mean, we wouldn't even know how to pronounce some of their names. But, yeah. But it's, why don't you tell me a little bit about the, the bird hunting scene in Africa, if you can recall Well, it, it, it's, 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 you know, it's mostly, I think, from the African standpoint, it seems sort of, you know, it's, it, 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 they want to, they want you know, they want a bang for their buck. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Because they're going to hunt for the meat. Yes. And so the birds are really, you know, they don't have a whole lot of, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of ammunition, expensive. Yeah. yeah. And so they kind of leave them alone. Sure. And, now, and And also you don't have now, like in Argentina and uh, Mexico, of course, you have these huge grain fields. Yeah. And so you have these flights of doves and quail that are just incredible and and i'm, I'm sure you've hunted perdis not yet oh that is that is <laughs> that i've I think, had the opportunity that i think is the king of south american yeah upland because yeah. those birds are like they look a little bit like a chucker yes and they they never get more than about six inches off the ground yeah and when, i mean they're, they're a jet yeah going right through the alfalfa and they're they're relative of the ostrich or yeah, something all te- aren't they? Tinamus. Tinamus. Yeah. yeah and uh you hunt him with the. Uh, we, I hunted behind this German short here. Good dog, and and he looked like a damn snake. Yeah. He was down on his belly. I bet because they don't they don't you they don't hold. Yeah, you don't you never get a staunch point. They mm-hmm. just they just have to keep snaking after him until they come up, and then they'll come up in like in ones and twos. Yeah. And, oh, and then they'll fly low, so you got to make sure where you're pointing, and uh, 
but they're oh, that, that that I think is and there's and there's a you know eight birds is the end of the day. That's all. But you work to get those eight birds. And no it's doubt fun. about it. It's you know, fun walking yeah. through that, that that alfalfa period is a pain. Yeah, almost literally. Um, you take your magnesium afterwards. Yeah, and that, and then yeah. you won't have the muscle cramps. Uh, in Africa. They've got, you know, Franklins of various flavors. They have, they have, they have Frank, well, sand grouse, I, hard to say. I'd, I'd say probably the most exciting bird hunting is for the sand grouse. Yeah. But that can be problematic because they really won't fly until after the sun goes down. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I was hunting in uh, Senegal uh, along uh, the Gambia River, and the birds would come in and they would drop down over the river and you basically had to and they, against the background they were black but you can look i'd see the reflection in the river oh and i would i would gauge it up. oh my god that's way too much geometry <laughs> yeah yeah but then you drop one in and these little kids would go over and jump into the river and and, and i'd be going no 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 <laughs> crocodiles no no and they'd come out with the birds laughing and think it was just hilarious oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, i found out later there are no crocodiles in that that particular stretch of the river well, so good uh, yeah but there are hippos so i don't know <laughs> well a hippo could swallow them whole he oh yeah they would too yeah down, they, would, they would too if they could oh god but anyway yeah no you have a you have a, a well the green pigeon is 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 a, a, one of the others um and then you then you get into like the guinea fowl which is um uh, wonderful to hunt but it's, it's just one you get one pass yeah basically you'll have like a line of beaters and they'll come through and the guineas will flush over you and you try to take you know both barrels and try yeah. to get two and then they just sail down and once they hit the ground they start running and oh they, yeah and they never stop yeah but that's i love guinea fowl is delicious what you were you're saying last night that it's it's the best eaten bird you've ever found i, I it was the best prepared i think because okay. it was yeah you know i've had it a couple of times that when it um again it was back in kenya the first time in the in the cook we had in the camp was just a, a wizard yeah and uh he made uh a curry oh God. with with uh guinea fowl and oh that was good it sounds real good it for, really good, for yeah. breakfast right about now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you, hey, hey, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. I'm here with Tom McIntyre. Look him up, M, little C, big I, N, T, Y, R, E. Tom, if people want more information about you and what your output is these days, is there any place on the World Wide Web where they should go? Well, I've, 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 never, really, I've never really put up a website. Yeah. But... Um, you know, you can you can look on Amazon. Yeah. It has a lot of my background on yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I still write, you know, Sports of Field is still in existence. Yes, it is. And I write a column for that every issue. Wow. And um, and hopefully I will, uh, let us hope that I will continue <laughs> to do that. Great. Um, and uh, I do, I, uh, you wouldn't know it because I, 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 I write a lot of TV yeah, uh, uh, and that's just you know, f- um, but that's the narration of the background. Yep, yep. Uh, my main uh, person for that, or my main uh, outlet for that, is uh, the Hunt for Monster Bass of all things. Oh, I'll be done. By, uh, but with uh, Trevor Gowdy. Sure. Yeah, on the Outdoor Channel. Yep. And yep. Uh, you know, anyway, and it's it's it's, it's I'm, I always have to figure out how to make. How to make how to describe a bass more interestingly every time? <laughs> well, I t- yeah, you know, I do. I, I'm at the same point in some of my writing output in that I, you know, I really work hard. I only write what I want to write, and so th- that makes it even harder sometimes. You know this because how do you come up with a different way to well, say I, you know, I, that or you know, that? I'll just say that you know it's been. I, I I 
pretty much finished the book last summer. Yeah. Thunder Thunder Without Rain. And um you know, 175,000 words. Oh my god. Yeah, with end notes and uh, <laughs> you know, and then it, when it, when I was done, it was after 5 years, you know, I just kind of sat there and I go, what next? You know, and yeah. I and it was like, I don't know. And you know, so basically right now all I'm doing is when I get assignments, you know, I look forward to them because you know, at least I it it it, it you know, what what did uh, Dr. Johnson say about being hanged in the morning? It it it, it focuses the mind <laughs> wonderfully and uh when I get a deadline it, it keeps me in focus and I you know and I have a I have an object and a goal and I can work towards it. Yeah. Yeah, there there is some joy in that in and of itself and we talked about that a little bit last night and how you know to have a finite beginning and a finite ending yeah. unlike a book of 175,000 words which, mm-hmm. which will be with you the rest of your life in yeah. one way shape or yeah. form. Yeah. But y- you know you've 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 written so much for so many publications over the years and so many books. What is it that keeps you going when when, when it comes to writing about hunting? Yeah, well, yeah, it's you know, it's it's probably never was the best choice considering <laughs> considering the uh, the uh, the climate of the times. Yeah, you mean this this these times or Yeah, these yeah, times. Yeah. Um it isn't it isn't looked upon yeah, but it ignores the fact that there's millions of hunters in this country alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a huge hunting culture in France. Yeah, you know, there's like you know, for their population, they have a huge percentage that are hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Germans, you know, all these people, the Italians, you know, they they hunt, um, and you know, and it's 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 just amazing that they're still there. And they're still, I mean, it's still a serious subject. You know, yeah. it isn't, it isn't yeah. a frivolous thing at all. And and the trick is to write about it in a way that that acknowledges the seriousness, but not to get sanctimonious about it or not to get, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. apologetic about it. Yeah. You know, when, when I'm, when, again, I, I'm not in Tom's league. You all know that because you've seen my stuff and you hopefully will see Tom's if you haven't already. But... There is a, I, I tell myself every time I turn on uh, the computer not to lecture anybody. Well, there's no reason to, you know, and I always, if, if I'm going to make a point, I'm going to make a point that it's, this is my point of view. Yeah. This is what you do is, you know, within, within the bounds of, of law and regulation and, and ethics, you know, even, and morality, I guess yep. it's, it's up to you, yep. but, um, I don't get hung up on, you know, like, do I do I hunt with a recurve or do I hunt with a mm-hmm. longbow? Do I, yeah. you know, uh, it's like, you know, you can get in all these like little picky niceties, and it's really all about the spirit you bring to the hunt. Well, you know, that's a good way to put it, and and that's I think becoming more and more dominant in the in the um, in the zeitgeist of hunting to a to at least a degree. There are um, a lot of people out there. Granted, there there are the the meat hunters, if you want to call it sure. that. And I don't mean anything derogatory, but oh it. no, there are the folks who are now meat hunters because they want clean food, yeah, uh, well, or whatever. And yeah. then and then there's you know other people who hunt for other reasons, but. The spirit of that is, is I think, bubbling a little bit closer to the top now. This idea of yeah. a, of a, you know, a, a more, I don't know what, to, a more transcendent, 
I, and I apologize. No, I was fine. No, no, like I, transcendence, I, I, but yeah. Well, I mean, it is. It's it's. You know, you you can you can. At one time, it wasn't a matter of choice. Yeah, it was it yeah. was just pure necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. I mean, it, it it started out with us stealing meat from lions. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then we decided that we would cut out the middleman and start doing it ourselves. You know, we go. We looked down and looked at our hands. And I said, "What are these? What are these? This what's this fifth thing for on our hands? <laughs> oh, it's a thumb. And wait a minute, it, it's opposable. You know, and uh, and, and we, from there came a firearm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it took half a million years yeah, from yeah. from a stone axe to a you know to a, a, a semi-auto shotgun. But yeah, yeah, but. Um, yeah, well, the, the you know the subsistence thing is is uh, to me that I mean it's always been the purest part of the of the of the hunt. I mean that's that is the one as- unassailable, yeah thing. And and I, I my friend John Bar his wife Eileen Clark writes a lot of cooking books, and, uh-huh. and she she was you know she was not a hunter when they met, mm. and she's become a real you know over the last I don't know twenty thirty years she's become just an avid hunter. Yeah, and she's been asked by her friends you know older friends. Why do you do this hunting thing? And she goes, "You ever try to stick a live deer in the st- oven?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. That 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 whole rabbit hole. We could spend a week talking yeah, about that. Yeah. How do you shoot those little feathery things? Yeah, usually with number seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, it works pretty well most of the. Although with me, it you know those are they're all out around. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Here you go. You know, um, <clears throat> not to get too hoity-toity but what what is it for you that really pardon the pun trips your trigger about hunting you know i've i've again i quote another friend of mine i have this really old old when we go back to high school Mm -hmm. and uh and he is a no pun intended as you say is a uh, uh, he's a criminal lawyer which means who is it there who is it yeah no um but no he's a criminal lawyer and, and so he just is always trying cases and he has, he has a funny line about like uh, and this will offend part of your audience i'm sure yeah but uh you know basically he said he did he did one civil case uh, he said he i'm never going near those again yeah, yeah. and i go why was it the defendant it was the you know the, the plaintiff he goes no nah, it was the lawyers yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean he'd rather be in court with some guy yeah, he'd rather be defending a murderer you yeah. know frankly because that's his job and it's cut and dried too, yeah you know? but he has been traveling with me to africa and uh Mexico and Canada and China for you know since the 80s wow and he gets that question he gets he'll he'll be in a hunting camp somewhere and they'll look around they go where's your gun he said well I don't hunt (laughs) but but what are you doing here and he goes well you know it's like this it's like hunters will always find the best places on earth before everybody else does and that to me is is a big thing you know to think I am in a place where um, few other people have ever been, yeah. you know, and to see that I'm, I, and if I didn't hunt, I wouldn't see that country. Yeah. I wouldn't meet those people. Yep. And um, to me, that's part of it, but it's also, you know, there is a strange relationship to the animal, you know, and, and it's, it's, I don't go out to, you know, like the, the Ortega Gasset line about you know, I don't, I don't hunt to kill. I kill to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, is is in that because 
I'm, I'm, fe- I mean, I by hunting an animal, I have to make myself part of his world. Yeah. Or yeah, its world, wherever you want. I have to make make I have to make myself part of it. And if I try to go in there and think I'm going to dominate it uh, and overrule it, as they say, uh, or rule over it, yeah, it's it's failure. It's a failure. You, you know, can you can hunt you can you can kill animals that way. Sure. But you can't really hunt them that way. Well, you know, so how do you become part of that world? You know, I'm looking at, you know, tomorrow I'll be in South Dakota. Sure. And, uh, you know. Yeah, my, which, my, which you just said like a South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> a, don't you know? No, wait, that's a little farther north. But anyway, um, in, you know, the, I'm there for that very reason. And it's all of those things you just described. But how does one become a part of that world? Well, you know, a lot of it, it like in South Dakota, it is a, it's a generational thing. It's, mm-hmm. It is, simp- you know, you, there's people there who wouldn't, uh, you know, to them, the idea that, that you don't hunt is foreign. Yeah. You know, because they, they, they look back at their generations of, you know, all those, all those old Model 12s and, you know, those, those plaid jackets. And it goes all the way back in their culture. They just, they didn't have to think about it. They just yeah. grew up that way. Yeah. Now, for me... Uh, as I say, I came from a non-hunting family yep. in Southern California, you know, which was, you know, and so basically the biggest thing I can hunt out there was I could chase deer around and never find any, but, <laughs> uh, but then, you know, I go, I could go out to the desert and, and hunt jackrabbits, yeah. you know, or, or go someplace else and hunt cottontails. And I shoot a lot of doves and, you know, mm-hmm. and then they, I've, and I have to admit, I've shot a few put and take pheasants because the, the state used to just put them out. Oh yeah. Throw them out. And usually, like right opening day, they open the door and throw all the pheasants out. And all the guys be waiting there and go. Just over. like the hatchery truck for trout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, then I just after that, I just became, you know, it, it, the the result, the the sensation or the uh, effect, um, left me wanting more. Yeah, um, that. What I came to understand was, you know, that, uh, and oh, I don't want to make this too too heavy, but um, it's like Hemingway said that he never, there was never a morning when he woke up in Africa that he wasn't happy. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I feel when I'm out in the field is I'm happy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not elated. I'm not giddy. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not overexcited, but it's, it is. It is that, that, that contentment and, and satisfaction yep. that yep. you don't find. I suppose people can find that. And I'm sure they. I, I'm sure they can find it in other things. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, maybe maybe it's riding a bicycle. I don't know. You know, you know, you know whatever floats your boat, as they or, say, or your or, or on your boat. Yeah. yeah. So it it is. You know, it's a good way to put it. And I was just thinking about a discussion we had around a fire a couple weekends ago somewhere, and and it was pretty much the same thing. It's you know, like you said, it's not it's not balls to the wall adrenaline rush all the time. Although we hope for some. Oh yeah, of that. yeah, we want to. Yeah, we we we'd live for the flush. Yes, as it were. Yeah, but but it's it's that feeling you have when you're on the top of the hill and you're looking down and as you've said, and I'll I'll look at and I'll think. You know, the last guy who was here dropped that arrowhead. Isn't yeah. that bitching? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, and it's also, you know, the, what is, is the, the other attraction of hunting for me is that it really uh, opens me up. And, well, open is the word to begin with. It is the open. 
but it opens me up to uh, the unexpected. Yeah. You know, that's the whole thing about hunting. It's if 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 it weren't if there were were not the I guess this is a word the unexpectation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of of what happens out there. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to see when I go around the corner. I don't yeah. know. You know, I mean, it's the same, and even more so in fishing, let's say, because you'd never see the, it's all down under the water, and exactly. you don't know what you have until it surfaces. Yeah. But, you know, you, I'm looking for, like, I'm looking for a deer, you know, and I'll, and all of a sudden, maybe I'll see one that's beyond my expectations. And that is in some place I'd never would have dreamed it would be. Yeah. But to get to that, you have to be there. You have to go out and be there. Good point. And, by saying I'm going to go hunting, that is that opens that that whole terrain to you, that terrain internal terrain that 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 part of you that that needs to be in the open, that needs to find the unexpected, yeah. that needs to be you know basically it's it's a it's a, it's a matter of me being put in my place huh. in every sense in several senses of that word. Not the not the punishment sense. There's there's a bit of that, really. But it's but it's well. I mean, you know, it, it, I I I look around. You know, you can look around here. You know, and we have the Bighorn Mountains over here, and you know, and then there's the prairie that goes all the way out to the Missouri River yeah. if you keep going. And um, you know, and it's and it's like I'm just this little speck. Yeah. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, you can you in a city you can feel like you're uh, you know the top of the heap. You know, but mm-hmm. out here you're not. We hunt quite often. Our chucker hunts are in what I belaborly. There's another coined word. Okay. Yeah. We we got to write all these down. Yeah. But um, well, they're on tape. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I I tell everybody over and over again. We we hunt in the darkest place in the lower 48 states. And if you want to realize what a speck you are, yeah. go go to that place. Well, and then and then. It, <laughs> I, I I don't want to tell stories on my wife, but we moved up here from Southern California mm-hmm. 20, 28 years ago. Anyway, um, one night she walked outside. She came back in. She goes, "There's a there's a strange cloud in the sky." <laughs> and I said, "What do you mean?" And she went out and she said, "Well, there. Look at that cloud. It runs all yeah, the way across yeah. the sky." And I go, "That's a galaxy. It's our yeah. galaxy. <laughs> it's the Milky Way." And and she had grew up in the city and goes, "Oh, really?" Yeah. Uh, or or there's time. I mean, we get the northern lights down here. Wow. And yeah, to see those are just uh, spooky it, as it, hell. It's humbling but, in in way. Yeah, it's physically humbling. Yeah. You know, that's a way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just we're digging deep here, but I love this aspect of it. Um, let's take a moment here. We're going to keep talking with Thomas McIntyre here on the Upland Nation podcast about all things hunting. Talk about the new book in the works. We're going to get a preview of it before everybody else. And one reason I'm grateful to do that is um, Tom and I uh, have worked over the years for the same outfits and run into each other back and forth. And then I'll never forget, Tom, one time I was up on stage at the Governor's Invitational Pheasant Hunt in South Dakota. Right, I, was, right. I was the master of ceremonies. And I look across the room, at, and at the far back door, the light opens in, and in there, silhouetted, clearly wondering why he walked into this room, because yeah. it was the wrong room for you. There's Tom. <laughs> no, no, as, as, as a matter of fact, I knew you were over there, and I just decided, well, I'm a wedding crasher. <laughs> 
what are they going to do? You know, I, think, I think the meal's done. Yeah. And, and so I'm not going to try to steal a meal, but, you know, I might as well go on over and I love it. see what I'll, you know, I, I want to be able to critique Scott's performance. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, luckily, I didn't debrief you after that. Yeah, what a right. wonderful time that was. That man. Well, was there's good. always, I mean, you know, I, I envy you that you're going out to the Dakotas yeah. or South Dakota because. It's, there's just nothing like it for no. for ditch parrots. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, that's another challenge we should put together, all the names for that bird. Uh, but we'll be back with all of that and talking in great detail about Thunder Without Rain, the new book coming up this spring in just a moment. I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, Tom McIntyre's final interview, which um, I am so grateful I was able to pull together on my last trip in that direction. Yeah, if you want to learn more about Tom, go to simonandschuster.com and then just uh, search for his name. All of his books will come up there. The new one, Thunder Without Rain, comes out in February, so stand by for that. We'll be back to the rest of my interview with Tom in just a moment. First, sageandbreaker.com is where you, well, well, you find just about anything you need to keep your guns in good shape from instruction on how to clean them the right way to the uh, what we call consumables, you know, the stuff you use. The CLP is one of those. Uh, to the gear that will help you clean and take care of your gun. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. Now's a good time to get on the mailing list because uh, the rare sales that come up will be... Um, well, well, you'll find out about them before everybody else. Same for new products. So get on the mailing list at sageandbreaker.com. Now let's get back to my interview with Tom McIntyre, author and good friend. No longer with us uh, literally, but here in spirit and always will be. His legacy will live on as long as there are books in print or online. Welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here, enjoying the heck out of it. We could talk all day, but I don't. I don't think I have enough digital capacity in this board with Tom McIntyre. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I have enough uh, cerebral capacity to do it anymore. Well, so. I'm, I'm looking at that coffee mug. It's it's about as industrial strength a mug as, as you. Of course, it has to fit the whole map of Wyoming on it, which is one of the problems, I guess. But uh, there, there, there we are at the top. Yeah, I love it, and and you know. It's funny because really you ought to be a part of Montana, you know. But that's oh, don't get story. me started! <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, but but we're going to talk. Let's let's talk about a couple things. First off, let's start with, you know, you can you can you rattle off a list of the most of the countries you've hunted in? Well, um, I'm trying to think uh, how many states yeah. I've hunted in, and I and I think there's probably. Only a few, maybe yeah. on the very few that I've never hunted in, mm-hmm. uh, including Hawaii. Yeah, which is a great bird hunting place. You, Absolutely. Have you ever done that? Uh, I've been down there with a gun, but I've never been able to shoot at anything living. I shot a lot of pigeons, but they were all made of clay. Oh yeah. Well, you go up on the, uh, the on the Big Island is yeah. the Parker Ranch, mm-hmm. and they have Franklin. They do. And they have two kinds. They, yeah, yeah, and they have uh, doves and ducks and. And they have, you know, you can't hunt them, but they have those stupid nene geese. I mean, yeah, no, offense, yeah. no, no offense to the nene, yeah. but they're just like, they look around going like, huh? 
you know. <laughs> I, you'll get a kick out of this. I was, um, we were there on a vacation, and we were at the lip of one of the volcanoes, and I forgot it was Haleakala or the other one. I right. forgot. And we're looking down and walking up the inside of the volcano. You know, it's dormant, you know, so it's, it's not, and you can hike through it. But walking up the edge, coming right to me is... A chucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a good chucker there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, actually, the Big Island's got like eight or nine species I believe of, it. of huntable birds. Yeah. But, you you know, to a great degree, you, you're, you're known and you write quite often about Africa. Yeah, that has also been, uh, I mean, that goes all the way back to my first uh, inkling yeah. with my father's friend and his African buffalo. Yeah. And that was another, you know, I mean, if there's a triumvirate, in my life, it would be hunting, writing in Africa. Yeah. Uh, um, even though I, you know, I'd love hunting everywhere else too. Um, mm-hmm. Far as countries go, well, let's see. I mentioned China. Yeah. Um, I've hunted in Germany. I've hunted in Finland. I've hunted in Czechoslovakia. I've hunted in Ireland. Um, I've hunted in Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. I've hunted on New Caledonia, which is. Uh, an island out in the Pacific, sort of like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was a jumping off point for B fifty. B twenty fives or well, something where, way back in it's the where, day. It's where, it's where McHale's Navy went on Liberty. <laughs> if you're too young to know what McHale's <laughs> yeah, Navy yeah, is, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't yeah. mention that. No. But uh, and then of course Mexico. I've hunted in. Uh, I've hunted in Argentina. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've hunted anywhere else down there. No, I can't. I've I've fished some down in like Guatemala and yeah, other yeah. places. You know, uh, sidebar, um, Argentina. You know, a lot of us who own shotguns are always told that's the place to go because you can shoot a thousand rounds in a day at all those right. doves. Have you done that? Yes, I have. And would you do it again? Yeah, I would do it. I, you know, honestly, I would do it for about a day and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I've seen guys go down there and they will go through. A case in the morning. I mean, literally, a case yeah. of shells in the morning and a case of shells in the evening. Yeah. Now all those birds are picked up. Yeah. And they're and they're cleaned and they're eaten. Yeah. Somebody's going to eat every one of those birds. They're not right. going to get knocked down. Right. Though they are considered a pest. Yeah. They're not considered a game bird. No, they're at. They they are basically poaching agricultural crops. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, then the other one you get are those. Uh, they're really more fascinating if you don't you know hunt them, but they have these little green parrots. Ah. And they and those things are hugely destructive because they build these like massive, massive, massive stick uh, nests. Ah. I mean, they're the size of a house. Wow. They're the size of your trailer. Wow! And they get up into the they get up into like on on water tanks, mm-hmm. and they just they just engulf it. Oh wow! You know, and so they have a problem with those guys. And um, but we we hunted the pigeon hunting there's really good. I mean, wild yep. pigeon. Yep. Yep. And then the duck hunting is 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 superb. So I'm told. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's so, so it, it is. Yeah, I it have is, done, it I could mean, be a holy grail for somebody. I, you know, yeah, let's put it this way: if, if you, if you, you know, if you was something, if it's something, you should. It, it should be on your bucket list. I yeah. guess is the word I yeah. would use. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, you know, that you get ex- that first day of excitement of these like f- waves and waves and waves. I, you know, I would just basically like, I wouldn't have to pick a shot. I would just, I would just wait till the bird fell into where I was going to, yeah. and then I would just, and then I basically would, would you know, I'd, I'd, I'd pull up on it. And then at the last second, I would like just sweep under it and then boom, down it would come. And, you know, the guy, and the guy, <laughs> the guy just sitting there with a, you know, a, 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 a not a stopwatch, but one of those. Oh, those, like those clicker things? Yeah, those clicker things. Counting things. birds. Yeah, oh it, it, it's something you got, you know, but, uh. 
Yeah, and and I just I don't I, I don't need, I don't I don't have that much against doves to keep hunting them. Yeah, all that much. But yeah. it's it's fun for a day or two. I bet if you had to if you had to narrow it down to one bird to hunt, um, can you think of uh, a one that's just all presenting itself for all the reasons we've just talked about, from the spirit of the hunt to the place? Yeah, well, and and on, on, and and it's and this is not wing shooting, but I wild turkey. Yeah. Wild turkey is, I mean, it was just an amazing bird to hunt. Yeah, yeah. And the the other one I would love to hunt is, uh, I don't know why, uh, I've always had this yen to go to India and hunt peacock. <laughs> now that is weird. I mean, not you thinking it, but but the idea of shooting one of those. They're a big pheasant. Yeah, they are. That's all they are. Yeah. They fly. Yes, they do. And, you know, and like I saw, you can go on YouTube and they, they have a huge... Um, feral population in new zealand i'll be darned but that country is i mean it it, it makes it makes everest look flat yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yep. you, you know you will note that all of the hunters are probably in their 20s or 30s because they're going down and up and down trying to flush these oh yeah these these big long tail birds out of these crevices well there 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 is a there is a bucket list species for you yeah everybody. but i would like i would like to do it in, on its native ground as a yeah. native but that's that's not going to happen anymore. No, no. Well, um, but what you have done already has ended up in print a million times, and I'm, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there's, you know, like, what, eight <sighs> books there? I wish it, I wish it had been for a million dollars. Oh, but, wouldn't yeah. that be great yeah, if you could finally get paid by the word for some of that stuff? Yeah. But but the the latest book, which you've, you've really, I mean, it, it is your, um, your um, I don't know what to call it. Somebody else called it the memoir du. <laughs> uh, who I, said? Who said that? By the way, somebody I know. Yeah, me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, that was the. Uh, uh, it, is, it is a book of memoir. It's a memoir, and it's a history. It's a natural sciences. Yeah. And it was basically answering questions I had yeah. about the buffalo. Because uh-huh. the buffalo's always meant a lot to me. Yeah. You know, if if I'm going to go to Africa, I'm going to hunt buffalo. Yeah. And to me, it is it is the it is. I don't want to kill a big cat. Yeah. Um, I've done it, but I don't want to anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want. Certainly, don't want to kill a rhino. Yeah. You know, I we we saw when I was first in Kenya, there were lots of rhino. Sure. I mean, and the black rhino, not the white rhino. You know, mm-hmm. white rhino is a little is a, a rather sleepy, drowsy old fellow. I'll be darned. But they but they're still you know six thousand seven thousand pounds. Yeah. With a horn. Yeah. Or two. And Point, um, pointy. <laughs> pointy. Yeah, they have a pointy end. <laughs> and uh, but we just see those black rhino. We're just. I remember we we're in. I was hunting with John Fletcher's deceased now, and we get into the bush and. He, we're tracking buffalo, which the first time you go into dense bush after a buffalo, it's yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and what uh, I mean, I guess there's one thing worse, and that would be a wounded buffalo. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's and that's you know part of the obligation. If you yeah. wound it, you got to yeah. go after it. But um, now we're in this thick, thick cover, and we could hear the buffalo. We'd heard the buffalo go in, and we're trying to work our way around to see if we can find them and. There was like this, like kind of tea kettle whistling noise, and John looked over me and he said, "He said, look for a tree." And I said, "What? Well, I don't climb trees." He says, well, <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> he says, "You don't, you don't have to." But I said, "Well, what is it?" He goes, "He goes, it's a rhino." And I said, "What? You, what are you? Huh?" And he said, <laughs> "He said, find a tree. It could be just a sapling. It doesn't matter. And then hold on to it. And if the buffalo comes, he's gonna have to go right or left of the tree. So you." 
you know, time it so you go the opposite direction. Ah. And he'll go off about 10 yards and forget what he was doing. <laughs> I guess that's that's a rhino for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. But the buffalo, um, you know, he just he embodies so many things for me. I mean, he's smart. He's tough. He's he likes to hide. Yeah. He's you know he and he. I mean, you know, they say an elephant never forgets. A buffalo never forgets. No, I I've I've read in your books and in other places that they also can hold a grudge. Well. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, there's one of the episodes in the book, and I'll come back to what I was my train of thought there in a second. But was uh, you know basically it was there was a guy who's a, a professional hunter. They he and his client they taken a buffalo and they were loading the carcass up into the vehicle, and a second buffalo came out of nowhere. Yeah, and killed him. Oh wow! And it, they they it was probably there's a there's a name for these these old. A solo buffalo, or um, um, they call them dagaboys. Uh-huh, and da- uh-huh. dag is the word for mud. I get it. And, and yeah, basically, they're, they're coated they're, in. They're, yeah, they'll be they'll be two, three, four old old buffalo, and they will uh, they will uh, basically dominate a waterhole or a wa- or a wallow, mm-hmm. and they just roll in there and they and it, exactly they coat themselves in mud to keep the insects off, and, yeah. and they get cool and. They'll all run together. You yeah. know, they they have been thrown out of the big herds. Yeah, the cows are the, the cows are really more dangerous than the bulls, just from a straight on standpoint, because they they are very protective of not only themselves and the herd, of course, and their babies. I mean, yeah. they just you can see they'll fight they'll fight down lions, and that's good enough for me. Yeah, but um, so as I was saying, but the, the book, my impetus for writing the book was I had all these questions about buffalo. Yeah. And I had never seen them answered. And I'd never, I didn't know what. And I wanted to find out, you know, on my, I wanted to do my own work on it. And I did. And I mean, for instance, I have a whole, I always, you'll hear in passing reference to about the great Rinderpest plague at the turn of the 20th century. Now, Rinderpest has, was a horrible disease of cattle. Okay. Not, not humans. All right, yeah. But its, it's, its effect was to kill off all the cattle and people starved to death. Okay. And uh, when it got to Africa, about 1889 or something like that, came in through um, off the Red Sea with, with Italian troops. Well, I'll be done. Well, not them, but they had imported a, a, a lot of Indian cattle sure. for, for food. Yeah. And they brought rinderpest with them. Mm-hmm. Now, rinderpest is simply measles. Oh. You know, <clears throat> if you had the measles, you've had... A cousin of rinderpest. Okay. And um, it causes salivation, weight loss, vomiting, you know, diarrhea. It's just, you know, it's terrible. And, and it will, sometimes it'll take, a, it'll take a week to kill. Sometimes it'll kill overnight. And when that hit Africa, it spread down. It moved. You could, you could chart it as it moved south. Yeah. And it, w- and it got into the wild herds. And there was a, many species that it got into. Buffalo was the hardest hit. There were no buffalo by the turn of the 20th century. Wow. I mean, they were they were down. I mean, where they people would talk about where they'd seen thousands of of, of Cape buffalo, they now saw maybe 15. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. there were more there were more skeletons on the ground than there were buffalo walking around. Yeah. And so I I was very interested in that and that uh, so I did that and, I, and that led me to you know, and then I would get to. <laughs> And this is why I had to put in end notes because I just couldn't cram everything, you know. Otherwise, the, the reader would be like, you know, f- trying to strangle me. Yeah. Um, 
But when I, I, I realized that you could chart it as it moves south, but it also moves south coincidentally with the modest uprising oh. in the Sudan, which was, uh, and then you get into China, Gordon, and the British, and uh, Winston Churchill, who was at the charge of Omdurman that ended the, 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 the Mahdi uprising. And so I just said, well, I got to, people don't know what that is. So I had to, no. I had to do a whole end note wow. talking about the Mahdi uprising. And, and, but it was like something that would come along. I mean, like, well, how long does a buffalo live? You know, what, what, how do they, what are their horns? How do they grow their horns? You know, why do they, what are, who are their ancestors? Where do they come from? And, you know, that took me back 20 million years and yeah. working my way up. Yeah. And, but the interesting thing to me has, has, I looked at the, there's a, you can look at a map of the, of the dispersion, dispersal of the buffalo. Mm-hmm. They came out of Central Africa, is, is where their native species, the original species were. Yeah. And then they spread to the west into the jungles, or the rainforest, and, and that, you have the, the dwarf red buffalo. But then the big, the big cape buffalo in various subspecies started going east. And then they started going south. And, of course, they went all the way down to the Cape in time. Sure. Parallel to them, you can see the human migration from the same Central African starting point to the same following next to the buffalo all the way down to the end in the, in the terminus of Africa, um, which is where the, 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 what we call the Bushmen, uh-huh. or, the, or actually the, the, they're the Khoisan. Okay. Um, who were the, which are the oldest, uh, I don't, I hate to say race or breed, but they're the oldest human beings on earth. Uh huh. They, they went south with the buffalo, and they, the other, pup, the other part of the, the Bantu people, or their, you know, ancestors, um, they all went out to the east and they crossed over into the Middle East. And then they fanned up into Europe and all the way down through Southeast Asia. And eventually they came across the land bridge. Sure. There are, so Native Americans are part of that uh, subspecies of humans, if you want. Okay. Um, and meanwhile, the Bushmen are all, or the Khoisan, are all down at the south. And they have not had any contact with these other people. They have not, you know, they are their own people. Yeah. And they didn't see, and it was until the like the late, 1400s or early 1500s when the Portuguese landed on the Cape and the first Portuguese came on shore and he went over and he shook hands with a, with a, a Khoisan and he was shaking hands with the, a human being for the same human being that he had been 150,000 years before. You know, this kind of stuff fascinates me because I, I could easily have become a history professor or an archaeologist. You're doing the same thing, Tom. You look, you look, you look great in that Indiana Jones hat. Oh, I know, yeah. And uh, if I could only learn how to, you know, how to work a bullwhip right. Oh, I've heard stories. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast, we're talking about the uplands of Africa right now with Tom mm. McIntyre. His new book, Not Yet Out, Thunder Without Rain, uh, you know, you call it a memoir with dangerous game, God's Cattle, the African Buffalo. It, it's a fascinating insight. And I'm thinking, well, you were just making that description of, of what I'll loosely call um, uh, e- evolution um, of, of the people out of Africa. <clears throat> I'm thinking of another author who many people 
will recognize his name, Datus Proper, and you might have met. Datus oh, I know Datus. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's passed away, but he's yeah. gone now. But he wrote a book that you know touched on this the same basic idea to a degree of, uh, you know, why am I doing this? What do I really want to know? Is there something more to it than just a, a tailgate picture at the end of the day? Yeah. It. You know, you've you've talked to people all over the world about, and people like me. Do you think most of us are motivated by those kind of more bigger questions, whether it's pheasants, chuckers, or capes? Well, I would like to think so. I, I, you know, I mean, I think we all have questions. Yeah. Uh, I think in many instances they're not formed. Yeah. But yeah. they're there. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. You they, they're there. It may be not deliberate search for the answer yeah which also may be the fact there really is no answer yeah you know uh there is there's just the way it is it's the way it is you know but um yeah i mean i that's what i did i basically wrote the book in with all the questions in my own mind and in an effort to answer them did you write the questions down first or now they came up as you wrote yeah Yeah, i i had an outline and yeah it was um it was a strange uh uh, Genesis. Um, I was doing a podcast of another uh, person up in Bozeman, Montana, and it's in 2017. And uh, we were visiting some friends and, and traveling around a little bit. And I walked out of the podcast, and I was thinking, you know, I should write a book about buffalo. I mean, I, I remember exactly where <laughs> I remember exactly where I was standing when it came to me. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't going to be five years. It was going to be six months. And yeah. I have the book yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't work that way. And, uh, you know, and then since I finished the book, you know, I've got, I've made literally, my editor hates me, but I've made, I've literally gone through and made 6,000, 7,000 changes. Well, he does, he deserves the extra work. <laughs> by, by the way, everybody, Tom is also the the reason I was able to be published at Skyhorse Publishing, and we we still to uh, officially, I guess, share an editor over there. Yeah, well, he's, uh, he's three, yeah, he, uh, Jake is. Uh, and we'll name him. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's your show, so you'll get the lawsuit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now he. Uh, um, Jay's a great guy, but he's yeah, he's pretty much retired now. Yeah, he, I think I caused but, that. But, by but the he way. but he stayed on. He stayed yeah. on to, to finish my book with yeah. me. Yeah. So I really have to give him a lot of credit for that. Oh yeah, and and I have to give you a lot of credit for basically reintroducing me to Jay after he left Field and Streamer Outdoor Life, whichever it was. Oh, well, they were just everybody got yeah. Well, there was a well. That's another podcast. There was a, there was topic, a bloodbath. So yeah, he, there was. He had to get yeah. out of there. Yeah, but he got out and he went over to Skyhorse and you introduced me to him and all of a sudden I had a deal. Oh, good. Well, I'm grateful for that. Well, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah I mean, of course, there might maybe more headaches than you thought. Well, you know, it always is, but but that's true of everything. But that that's why I asked that question about asking the questions. You know, a lot of us, well. Thelonious Monk. Ah, there you go. Up, yeah, now, there's an obscure reference. Once said... Uh, Maynard G. Krebs' favorite musician. Well, I, why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> and, nobody, and nobody knows what the I'll, hell we're I'll talking about. I'll have to about. put the, all those names and links in the show notes, but Thelonious said something like, the cats I like best are the cats who take chances. Sometimes I play a song I've never heard before. And... <laughs> You sat down at the keyboard on day one of Thunder Without Rain and started playing a song you'd never played before. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I've the, my other books, for the most part, have been uh, collections of, yeah. of stories because you know you try to get 
uh, try to get a double double header out of everything. Yep. You know, you don't want to waste it. You want to try to you know get some more money out of it. Yeah. Frankly, that's the part of the game people don't ever talk about. But uh, well, they do it. They just complain about it. And uh, you know the the the. <laughs> You know, as I wrote the book, it just, like, one thing led to another to another. I said, yeah. well, okay, so what about, I had to look, I had to do a whole thing on, I was going to do a, a, a in-depth explanation of C3 and C4 grasses. Now, <laughs> now C3 grasses are, uh, I, I believe, I think it's like, like, they're tropical. Okay. And they uh, evolved back in when the earth, earth I'm sorry, the earth was, uh, much more hu- the humidity was much higher. Okay, but then it started to drop the humidity, and and they and they produced three three carbon atoms, which is why they're C threes. Okay, and then C four grasses came along, and that is where you see your classic prairie grasses. Yeah, you know you look out, and, you know, and I I think I said the uh, I said the 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 one was oh yeah actually it's the other way around. anyway but the the C you can see if you want to think of the C three. Now, maybe I'll get this backwards. But you can think of the C3 as scotch, and you can think of the C4 as rum. Okay. You know? <laughs> All right. There, I like the analogy. Yeah, and basically that is what drew – the buffalo came out of Asia and went over to Africa, and they were drawn in by these big savannas. These savannas appeared. Yeah. And in the same time as the savannas spread, the forest shrunk, and we climbed down out of the trees, you know, and started walking around upright. Mm-hmm. About the same time the buffalo were showing up. And um, we really evolved together, which yeah. is which is something I found in writing the book. You know, the, the connection. Fascinating. What do you think, what do you want people to take away from this book uh, when they're done with it? Well, I, again, uh, you know, I, I really want it to be where, I think we, t- we talked about this, I believe, you know, that, that I want it to be, I want to be of service to the reader. Yeah. You know, my, my basically, you know, I would look at a sentence that I had initially written and I would say, oh, that's, that's clever. That's well done. And then I would look at it again. I go, that doesn't make any sense. You know, <laughs> cause I, I suddenly read, I mean, I thought of myself as a reader who comes along and he sees a sentence and it looks like a Jenga pile and he's got to figure out how to pull the stuff out. So it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just went back and I said, okay, style be damned. I'm going to make it as readable, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's, all I've striven for in the book is just to make sure it's readable, you know, but and funny and, you know, and, and, and I hope moving in some ways, Yeah. you know, but yeah. the, uh, the other thing I was getting, I was like, I called it, a, I made up, a, I made up a name for it, the memoir dur. Yeah. Um, cause the, uh, that was from the, uh, the, the writer, uh, 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 Simenon who wrote, uh, George Simenon, I think, well, he wrote the great uh, mystery stories. Oh, okay. All but right. when he, he, when he would, and he was a funny dude. Lots of ways, but anyway, he would he would sit down and like in like seven days write a book, and then he would not write again for another six months. Then he would sit down and write a book. Yeah, and he had never spent more than a week. Wow. On them, but in between his uh, um, mystery stories, he uh, he also wrote what he called uh, uh, romandure, which were just these dark kind of noir without his detective character uh-huh. and he would write them and so I was thinking about my you know my animus towards modern memoirs that they are about a lot of them are unfortunately are about victimhood sure about identity yep. you know yep. and I'm yep. <sighs> oppression you know, you know trauma yeah trauma and I'm just like I'm going like well okay 
Though there is some of that in my book, I I can't deny it. There is a a kind of a subplot, if you were, for a nonfiction book. But um, I I just didn't want that. Yeah, you know, and I thought back. I well, what are the autobiographies or memoirs that I really like? And I thought of, I thought of Harry Cruz's childhood, which is a book about him for up to age six, <laughs> and it's a you know, and he grew up in the Depression in Georgia, and you know, and it's a it's an incredible story. But he's not he didn't he doesn't sentimentalize it. Yeah, you know, and um, you can think of other people. I'm trying to think. There's another one I had in mind. I can't remember right offhand. But anyway, but that was a that to me I think was a a, a, a memoir de Yeah. Which I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna coin a phrase. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Well, the the book is called Thunder Without Rain. Keep your eyes peeled for it. Thomas McIntyre is the author. It'll be available from Skyhorse Publishing, and as they trained me so well, available anywhere books are sold, but not for a while. So stand by, and I'll do my best to make sure everybody hears about oh, it. When you, it's available. Oh, you you'll you'll hear from oh, me. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. Don't you don't you worry your pretty little head. All right. T- so Tom. Tom, you've you've hunted for uh, a long time in many exotic places and many uh, slightly more mundane places. Um, To our audience of uh, bird hunters um, who are just looking to have a good time out there next weekend on the prairie somewhere, what kind of advice would you have for a, you know, for a guy like me? Well, uh, you know, I think do your homework. Yeah. And I think you you impress that upon people. Yeah. I noticed on your, your website, you, you make it clear that, okay, I'm not going to give you a GPS location, you know, which yeah. is, which is, yeah. which was funny. Cause I mean, I, years ago, I, I, my editor said, well, when you go hunting, I want you to tell me which trailhead. And I yeah. said, no, uh-huh. I'd, I'd like to go on living. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where the big elk are. It's up to you. And, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, you know, you got to put some effort into it. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a spot down here. I haven't hunted in a couple of years, but when I get an, I get a, every once in a while, I, I want to go shoot a, a, a sage grouse. Yeah. And I just get in the car and drive down there. Yeah. And I take, take along this little black dog with me. And, uh, oh, that's a funny story because I put up this, I put up this flock and I dropped this bird right into the middle of a sagebrush and I knew it was in there. It didn't come out, Yeah. but it was, it was flapping going down. And as we circled it, and I couldn't see anything in there. No. And all of a sudden, he looks up, and, he, and like the wind is right. And he does this, like, you know, those foxes when they dive into the snow to catch On the, every the, National Geographic yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, he, that's what he did. <laughs> I love it. And he came out, and he had, this, he had this bird pinioned by the wings. Oh, gosh. And then I said, okay, bring it over here. He wasn't going to bring it over. Nope. But at the same time, he ran all the way back to the car and just lay there and laid on it. Yeah. So I just said, okay, I'm not going to punish you for that. You know? <laughs> no. You know, that, first off, that grouse is almost almost as big as him second off he deserves a victory lap yeah after, yeah after a performance like that and i'll i'll never fault a dog for anything like no that. i mean he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't keeping it away from me he was just gonna go back and you know it's mine yeah exactly but you're, he uh, you're a good boy i think he he likes but anyway but that is something you know i just i found out about that by word of mouth by yeah. uh you know then i got out the map and i looked at the map and i figured out how to get there yeah um and that's kind of what you need. You need to, you know, you look for some inside information. Um, there's a magpie out there. Anyway, they, uh, um, and then, you know, go on it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you just, you were talking about the, what were you talking about in the codas, the grasslands out there? And, yeah, yeah. And hunting, and then uh, you hunted, I've hunted horseback yeah. for them too. And that's, yeah. that's a lot of fun. 
It is, but but you know you you got to put in the miles. But yeah. that's not to say people can't help. You know, there's a difference between hot spotting yeah. and telling somebody you know you ought to go to the, that area code on that side of that uh that mountain yeah range. no no, no. Uh, and, and finally because you have traveled so much and you've hunted so many species in so many places what is something that you always take on a hunt that we may not have thought about well um probably several things one i always take a good book yeah you know, okay. I, I mean, because there's downtime. Yeah. And I don't mean in the field, but you can end up oh, yeah. in airports. You can end up. Yep, yep. So have a good book. Uh-huh. You know, and I, of course, I always take a, a, a notebook and pen. Yeah. And I, even if you're not going to, even if you're not a quote unquote writer, write down your thoughts. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're hard to, you know, keep up. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll go back to them years later, you know. And then, um, curiously I, I i'm indifferent to, to photographs yeah um i take some but i'm kind of indifferent to them i, I think i think you, you it's really as you well know i'm sure it's really hard to hunt and take photographs by yourself the pros will say you can you can choose one or the other one or the other but you can't do both yep yeah um and i'm trying to think what else is is um you know um depends how you're traveling too if you're traveling by air you're traveling yeah. by vehicle yeah um, you know, have a good pillow. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, well, the other thing, too, is just, you know, for, for heaven's sake, make sure your boots are, are, are broken in yeah. and good. Yeah. They don't, because you'll, there's nothing worse to come home and find a, you know, big blister, and then it just gets worse and worse Well, and there worse. is one thing worse, and that is being at the top of the Chucker Hill on your very first Chucker Hunt and having the boot come loose from its sole halfway down the slope are we are we are we referring to an, a historical incident yes we are yes and yeah uh, I, and i and the other thing about chucker was i always figured out that chucker hunting involved uh the chucker flying down you walking down they're flying up yeah and, yeah. It, and you get to zigzag up and down from the bottom of the top all day long well the, the, you're absolutely right and if we, if this was television i'd i'd have a great joke for you but i'll tell it to you later <laughs> Uh, once again, that's Thomas McIntyre. Thunder Without Rain is the name of the new book. It's coming out from Skyhorse Sky Publishing. Looking forward to seeing the whole book. And, I, and, I and, your spe- and your special guest is Mickey. Yes, Mickey's been. If you heard a clunk, it was Mickey dropping his bone on the floor. I'm going to blame every every incidental noise we've had on this pretty little guy. All black cocker spaniel with a whole tail and some gordon setter brown in some of those leading and trailing edges of his feet and his legs he's a good little guy and last gosh the last time i saw him he was about nine months old yeah trying to run away yeah he was trying to run into traffic yeah let's not even talk about that (laughs) but um but tom it's always fun we'll talk to you again when the book comes out i appreciate it Thank you for being such a kind host. Uh, thank you, Elaine, if you can hear me, or you will when we broadcast this, for your hospitality. Um, hey, we got a little bit don't, more. Don't, 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 tell, don't tell my wife about Elaine. <laughs> we got a lot more to talk about on the Upland Nation podcast, so don't go away. But, Tom, thank you. Great to have you. It was a pleasure. and Glad you could come by last night and have dinner with us, and, and safe travels on the road. Thank you. All right. Thank you again, Tom, for being Tom. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. 
More to come in just a moment, including uh, your own uh, summary of who won on opening weekend. But first, we are brought to you in part by Pointer Shotguns, a work of art at a price that's a thing of beauty. Lots of great success stories coming from PointerShotguns.com. Take a look at the new website. They've got all their models there, the uh, target guns, the youth guns. The uh, field guns, you name it, it's there as well as some of my videos and articles. So if you're looking, in fact, one of them that I I really enjoyed and apparently is getting a lot of uh, great response has to do with uh, safety and how your dogs play such an important part in that. So head over to PointerShotguns.com and watch the videos, read some of the articles, and uh, stand by for news on a new side-by-side shotgun, all at Pointer shotguns.com well i love hearing from you especially when we have a little fun talking about the stuff that you've done out in the field recently and i asked on our social media a while back and finally getting around to sharing it with everybody who won on opening weekend You know what I mean. You know, you sit back there at the end of the day, the end of the weekend, you're driving home and you're wondering, well, what was that all about? You know, sometimes you're scratching your head, aren't you? Well, when I asked it recently on social media and then also in our uh, Upland Nation newsletter, got some fascinating results. Uh, Of all the participants, number one on the list, the winner... 48% say the dogs won, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah, sure it is. 28.5% said the birds beat everybody on that one, and I know how you feel about that. We humans, we won about 10% of the time. Um, Terrain, weather, the rotation of the earth, bad juju or a truck breakdown, yeah, 7% of us. And... This is the one I like most, and I'm glad you were so honest with it. You know who won most of the time? Those other guys in that camp over there. You know the feeling, don't you? Absolutely. Well, better luck next time. There's only one opening weekend every season, but there's weekends all season. So get out and see if you can beat the odds this time around. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you by TrulockChokes.com, T-R-U-L-O-C-K, Chokes.com. Talk about resources. These guys understand the value of high-quality choke tubes. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you want to improve your shooting overnight, buy some high-quality, well-engineered, made-with-the-right-materials choke tubes. That'll square away your pattern. Your pattern is critical when you're shooting at wild birds. Even if you don't pattern your own gun, look at their examples. All sorts of deals there, free choke tube case, free shipping, 10% off, depending on how you order your gear. It's all available at truelockchokes.com. Now it's time to say goodbye. A final goodbye to Tom McIntyre. Thank you for everything and the gifts you left behind for the rest of us. Again, if you want to learn more about Tom and particularly his new book, Thunder Without Rain, just go to simonandschuster.com and stay in touch there. It comes out in February. 
Tom was a mentor to me in many ways. He helped me get one of my book deals pulled together. I will never forget that, my friend. And if you have a friend out there who may or may not be in the twilight of their years, now is the time to reach out to them. Take them hunting. Show off your dog. That's what Fur Feathers Friends is all about. Appreciate all of you who comment at the social platforms, who take the surveys on the Upland Nation newsletter. Appreciate those who leave uh, ratings and reviews. We're all made possible by Sage and Breaker gun care products, pointer shotguns, mid-valley clays, and Trulock chokes. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. Take a friend hunting. See you in the field.